Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I am excited to share an interview with Dawn Salvucci Faviar. She is the CEO and Chief Product Officer of Green Screens AI. Dawn is no stranger to the supply chain. She was one of the co-founders of 3G TMS. And then Ben Gordon from Cambridge Capital is the chairman of the board of Green Screens and recruited Dawn to head the product and CEO role over at Green Screens. They're doing some very interesting true AI and machine learning and predictive pricing in the spot market for truckload freight. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hey, Don, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I am excited to talk to you. I know you're an industry veteran in the freight industry. You were a founder of 3G TMS, and now you're heading up the CEO of Green Screens, a very buzzworthy, popular machine learning application for freight brokers. Could you just kind of give us a little bit of background of for how you got started in the space? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm super excited to be here and talking to you and, and your audience today. So look, I've been in freight for over 30 years now, I guess 31 years, and wow. really kind of started my career on the operations side working for a couple shippers. I, I started my freight career at TJX companies, so TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods, that retail brand, brands rather, and then also uh, at Staples in their corporate offices up in the Boston area working on their inbound transportation team. So kind of between those two companies on the ops side, spent about eight years. And then um, in both companies actually got to get involved in the technology side. So the, dating myself here, but these were kind of early days of TMS. And at both companies, I had the opportunity to participate in the TMS selection and implementation. Mm. Um, so found that I really kind of liked the technology side and kind of had an aptitude for it. When I was at Staples, I was approached by our TMS vendor, who at the time was a company called Manugistics, which is now part of Blue Yonder. So mm. Manugistics was acquired by Blue Yonder in 2006. But at any rate, when I was working at Staples, they approached me to join them as a product manager. Um, so that's kind of when my journey in freight technology started. So it was 22 years ago, a long, long time ago, actually 23 years ago now, is when my freight technology journey started. And, and I really spent until I joined Green Screens almost three years ago, two and a half years ago now, it was entirely on the TMS side. Mm. So um, spent a long time at Manugistics, now Blue Yonder, uh, was at Red Prairie for a while, was the COO of a company called Shippers Commonwealth based out of Charleston. And then most recently, as you mentioned, was one of the co-founders at 3G TMS. And that's kind of how I ended up here at Green Screens, how I got here was kind of a happy accident. Um, mm -hmm. After about seven years at, at 3G TMS, I had decided that I needed to do a little seventh inning stretch after seven <laughs> years. Um, sure. So take a little time out. And my intention was really to work for a little while as an independent contractor, working with either logistics companies that needed help with establishing a technology roadmap, digitalization roadmap, technology roadmap, or tech companies that needed some go-to-market help, but more on a contract basis, right? Weren't really prepared to hire somebody full-time, but but wanted some help on a contract basis because that's what I did. And in kind of promoting and starting up that business, I was introduced to Ben Gordon, who mm -hmm. is um, with Cambridge Capital, BGSA Advisors and is actually the chairman of the board of green screens and 
When I was introduced to Ben, my intent was pitching my services to him as an investment banking company, as an investor to, you know, maybe work with him on due diligence projects as he was looking at to invest, investing in companies or um, fractional or executive in, you know, interim or executive in residence type work um, mm-hmm. within his portfolio. Um, but he had recently become involved with Green Screens and asked me to take a look at the company and let him know what my thoughts were. So I did. I was introduced to the group that was here at that time. At that time, Green Screens was really, I'd say, post-hypothesis pre-MVP product. Mm -hmm. Um, So I met with the team here and was super excited about what I saw, thought that the product was really filling a huge gap in the market of, of what was needed. And fortunately, Ben offered me to join the company as the CEO and chief product officer. I've heard Ben has a pretty massive name in the industry as well. I've, I've seen some of his posts on LinkedIn and he, I believe he basically bought part of my friend's company or invested in it, Bo Logistics, not long ago too. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I just recently heard about Ben myself, but I, it's funny how like you hear about one person's name and then all of a sudden you hear it all over the place. It's, it's weird how that happens. Yeah, it's funny. I met the folks from BOA um, at Ben's conference actually in January. Very, very cool people. Mm, yeah, they are, they are very, very nice people. Let's talk a little bit just about like, before we get into like predictive pricing and what exactly you guys are solving, I just want to, from your own just perspective, like the the whole AI machine learning thing, I, I feel like it's not even just in our space, but like, you know, with like ChatGPT and all these kind of apps like Midjourney that does like art and AI, it seems like all this AI revolution is coming pretty fast. Was there much of an AI, like, was there much AI in freight like five, 10 years ago, or is this something that's kind of within the last couple of years? You think? I think it's it's evolving more recently in freight specifically and and look in my prior life as kind of had a product. I had been approached by companies five, seven years ago that had claimed that they were using AI or machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it was really true AI or machine learning or where it was. I didn't necessarily feel that it was a very practical application of it, right? It wasn't, re- it was like technology looking for a problem rather than technology solving a real problem <laughs> like type <crypto>. of thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, really when I was introduced to green screens, it was, you know, I, part of the thing that was really exciting about it to me was that it was actually the first practical application of AI that mm. I had seen for our industry, for the freight industry, um, because I was very much underwhelmed by AI in our industry prior to that, right? Mm. What would you say, like, just for those people that don't really under, because AI is kind of thrown around quite a bit as far as what it does, but what would you say, like, the difference between, like, an AI application versus just, like, an automation or, like, a robotic process automation? Like, what... What would be like the difference, like one thinks for one another and the other is kind of just more of just like if this, do that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. And and as I said, I often for many years have heard companies refer to what is actually RPA or robot, robotic process automation as AI. And it's not. RPA is, think of it as software that mimics human actions. So it is intended to perform actions and AI is actually the simulation of human intelligence. So machine learning is a form or a type of artificial intelligence. And there are multiple types, but what we use is machine learning. And machine learning uses data and algorithms to actually learn in a way that is similar to the way a human 
would learn. And I think the biggest difference between the human and and machine learning is that, you know, a computer can process vast amounts of data very quickly to get an answer faster than any human could, mm-hmm. right? But if you think about it from a spot pricing perspective, like what we do, when an experienced broker is trying to determine what a rate might be in the spot market, he or she is going to go through several mental gyrations, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to look at historical data. They're going to apply their own practical knowledge of their business. They're going to look at market activity. Maybe when they don't have any specific data, they're going to look for markets that they know behave similarly or have similar characteristics to the market that they're trying to price. Maybe they'll reach out to a couple of carriers and get some bids, right? So there's a whole series of mental gyrations that a human is going to go through. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes though, they're going to need to go into multiple systems or multiple sources of information to do that. And it's really time consuming. So a machine learning algorithm is doing exactly the same thing. It is going, it's, it's leveraging the data that it has, but a lot more data than the human could ever process and doing so far more quickly but it, it's going through those mental gyrations in real time. Um, and just like with a human who, through repetition, establishes muscle memory and gets smarter or more accurate over time, mm-hmm. so does a machine learning algorithm, right? So they're self-taught, self-training, self-correcting through the optimization or analysis of data. RPA, or robotic process automation, on the other hand, is different in that it requires human interaction the configuration of rules or workflow in order to complete a specific task or series of tasks. But rather than, you know, solving for a single answer like a price, RPA can be used to string together multiple steps or multiple technologies in a process to create an end-to-end workflow. Mm. Now, the human needs to describe the problem the steps required to solve the problem, what to do if a step in the process fails, and identify all of the sources of the inputs to solve the problem for the RPA, right? Mm. Whereas machine learning is just taking data and learning on its own. But you could have an RPA engine that's calling multiple machine learning algorithms in support of a single process workflow, but RPA is going to perform the action with the same inputs the same way every single time. Right. Mm. RPA doesn't learn. It won't improvise or try to find a better solution when new data becomes available to it. And it doesn't know how to correct itself without human intervention. So that that's really kind of the big difference. But, you know, I'll kind of find it, finish on that thought with machine learning and RPA actually work very well together. Mm. In fact, we have many examples in our customer base where our customers are using RPA and green screens to automate their quoting process, right? So the RPA engines are configured to, uh, as an example, read a shipper's request for quote from an email or maybe go to a shipper's private bid board, right? Mm -hmm. And then read those requests for quotes or posted loads, transform the request into an API, calls the green screens machine learning engine to get a rate back, applies some additional rules that maybe the customer has configured on the RPA side to determine things like, okay, depending on what I get back from green screens, I might want to adjust my markup, right? Or I may want to no bid based on, you know, green screens confidence score or, you know, so there can be additional rules set on the RPA side and then kind of respond and then transform all of that again 
back into our response to the customer in whatever the preferred response method is, whether it's API or email or write to the bid board. So that's kind of an example of how machine learning and RPA kind of work together. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And then I have a question for you too about clean data. Is that something that's I, I, you hear that kind of thrown a lot, around a lot as well. And just obviously the data in, data out, if the machine learning algorithm is looking at bad data, you're probably giving bad data out. So is there a kind of like a move to over the last couple of years to kind of get like cleaner data throughout the, the industry and kind of more, are they doing stuff basically the industry to to have cleaner data essentially? I, I don't know that I would go as far as to say that the industry, there that there's any wholesale initiative in the industry for cleaner data. I wish there was, to be honest with you. I mean, but but we are. And, and I will say that when we, you know, data is huge, obviously, because the entire concept of machine learning and artificial intelligence is around data. And to your point, it needs to be clean. When we onboard a new customer and, and kind of the first thing we do is we take a historical data file of their booked loads, you know, up, up to four years, say one to four years of historical data, it's not unusual for us to flag about 35% of the customer's data as dirty or hmm. invalid according to our data cleansing rules. And most companies don't even realize how dirty their data is until we go through this exercise with them. But what what we do, Jeremy, is, you know, we have a series of rules that, you know, we've created to kind of flag data that might be dirty or might be outliers. And, you know, some of the more common ones are an LTL shipment that was improperly coded as a truckload or, you know, a partial of the same or um, a a 5,000 pound shipment that's flagged as a truckload. So, you know, we have a a weight filter by the, so anything by default that's less than 5,000 pounds is going to be flagged in our system as invalid because we're only looking at truckload data, right? Oh, I see. For truckload. Um, So it would be flagged as invalid, but we have one customer who ships a lot of components for SpaceX and they are full flatbed trailers, but they're super lightweight, right? Because they're rocket parts. So that would be an example where we would work with the customer to adjust the parameters of those data filters that we use for cleansing. Mm. Um, Because what we really want to try to do, Jeremy, is to not allow that dirty data or what we would consider outliers, the something that isn't doesn't represent the normal course of doing business to the algorithm, right? We're protecting the algorithm from that dirty data because it has the potential to skew the results, right? So Mm. it's just like, again, the human brain, you've got all these inputs, but, you know, one misplaced piece of information could really kind of skew your decision, right? Mm. That makes a lot of sense, like the outliers and kind of getting rid of stuff that's going to mess up the, the data set. What about like, could you explain like how we ended up with this needing predictive pricing? How does like the spot market, what information are you providing to these brokers that's helping them with better pricing decisions for one? And I guess like historically, you'd mentioned earlier that people would use it like sort of like mental gyrations or kind of maybe some sort of like bill and had a spreadsheet or something like that with like the pricing or how is it done historically versus like how it's done now, I guess, with you guys? Yeah, perfect. So I, I, you know, thank you for that question. So as I said, you know, we're a machine learning based dynamic pricing platform and we're leveraging the data and the algorithms to generate really accurate forward-looking price predictions for a market. So first and foremost, a market buy rate that's going to help freight brokers or 3PLs quote, we like to say quote with more confidence, win more business and win more 
profit on the business that they're winning or margin on the business that they're winning. So there's really kind of three, I'll say four primary outputs that we are generating to the user. Now, number one is their target buy rate. So this is um, using historical data, both the aggregated data of all of our customers and the customer's own data to give the customer what specifically we believe they are going to pay on a forward-looking basis. So today, tomorrow, next week, not here's what the average was for the past three days, here's what the average was for the past seven days, but more, this is what the market is doing and this is how we think your buying behavior, your freight mix, your carrier relationships, your, you know, the way that you've historically bought will impact your ability to buy right? So that's the buy rate, the target buy rate. We also show the customer the market rate, which again is optimized through the machine learning, but it's not biased by any individual company. So with the customer's buy rate, the first thing we do is we train the model to understand how that company buys, right? So think about it as you working for a brokerage for 15 years and you understand your buying power and your relationships and your freight mix and, and you learn how, do, how does my company buy. That's the first thing we do is retrain the engine. And then we put that together with all of the aggregated data that we have in our network, which is, okay, this is what the market is doing, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one is, how am I going to buy The second one is what is the market doing in the same Mm -hmm. time period, but that's also optimized. And we kind of show the customer how they are, how they compare to that. Are they buying better than the market? Are they buying worse than the market? Right. Things like that. And then the third output that we're giving is a suggested sell rate. So again, using the data at how much should they mark up that freight to sell it to a customer based on historic win rates, based on historic markups or markup rules that the customer is able to establish within our system and things like that. And then I would say the fourth output is um, really a lot of robust decision support tools. So we give coaching tips to a carrier rep who it may be a new carrier rep who is learning to negotiate. So we take a lot of the the data that we have access to and that we represent visually and almost give them a script. We show them which carriers in their network have been moving in these markets for them. We show them how they have been buying over the past 30 days and long-term. So a, a number of different decision support tools. So there's a second half to your question, which which I will answer in a second, but I'll, I'll pause there. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that all made sense. So basically it's kind of information to help these brokers buy and sell the freight better on the spot market. If I'm- yep, exactly. Exactly. Now, as to, you know, what were people doing before? Why is this necessary? So, I mean, we we really exist for three reasons or to help solve solve three business challenges, right? One is, is competitiveness. I think over the past many years, we've seen some of the largest and really well-funded digital freight platforms investing very heavily in technology to enable mm-hmm. this type of dynamic pricing, right? In two ways. Number one is connectivity to shippers. So instantaneous connectivity to shippers. Number two is the data and the business intelligence to help them internally gain a better understanding of how to optimally buy and sell freight. And these investments have really begun to put those. So really 
most of the market <laughs> that don't have the capital or the resources to develop these capabilities at a competitive disadvantage. So that's kind of number one right? Mm. Why do we exist? Number two is market volatility, right? Obviously not a new problem. We've had these up and down cycles of freight as long as I've been in the industry, which is more than a little while. Mm. Um, but the market is moving a lot faster now than it has in the past. And, you know, as one of my customers described it, and I, I just love the way he described it, it's not that these this is new, it's that the amplitude between the waves of these up and down cycles is getting bigger and the distance between the waves is getting shorter, right? Mm. Volatility has always been there, but it's moving faster both up and down. So whether, you know, the down market that we're currently in or the up market heyday that we experienced in, you know, late 2020 into early last year, it's only marginally helpful to know what prices were doing three days ago or seven days ago or what your TMS history tells you, you know, you've done over the past year. Markets are moving too fast, right? You need to know what's happening today or likely to happen next week in real time. And, and also to get a better understanding of how your own buying power may impact the price that you're going to pay, right? So, so that's kind of where that comes in. And then I'd say the last piece, Jeremy, is about productivity, right? And this is maximizing the productivity and effectiveness of every human resource you have. So whether that's through enabling automation of some of the low-hanging fruits, some of the more mundane, you know, no-brainer type tasks, or whether that's arming the humans with more decision support tools and more decision support power to help them make better decisions faster. Or, you know, I would say the final use case there would be improving the time to value for a new hire. So, you know, when whenever I, I speak publicly, I, you know, do a show of hands, poll, how long do you think it takes for someone to get really good at pricing freight? And inevitably, the majority of people say it takes more than a year right? Mm -hmm. For a new rep to get good at pricing freight while giving them these types of tools like green screens really helps to, you know, improve the time to value and kind of take that learning curve from over a year in many cases down to weeks or certainly months, right? So when we're in a do more with less situation like we are now, it's especially important. Sure. We have like a couple of minutes left. So I just had like maybe like one or two more questions for you. Um, yeah. For one, how do you think, do you view this being that the price, it seems like with like these new technologies and these large brokers such as like Convoy, and I know they have a bunch of machine learning algorithms themselves. It seems like green screens is helping out sort of like the midsize broker kind of compete with these like larger venture backed companies. Would you see like the, I guess the pricing, it seems like it would probably go like the cost of doing service would go down over time, I would imagine with some of these technologies. Is that the case you think? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look, and we're, we're working with both midsize and large and, and small brokers today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we price our solution. We don't charge per user. We don't charge per transaction. There's no overage fees. If you go over your, your allotted processing power, we price our product based on the gross annual revenue of the company that is within the scope of our solution, right? Which allows us to be able to scale up and down, right? Depending mm -hmm. on the size of the company that we're working with. And then how long does it take like for like, if you're looking for like a pricing request on like how to um, charge, like how, how much time are we talking here? Like as far as like getting the rate back? Subsecond. Oh, wow. It's fast. Yeah. It's very, super fast. Very fast. So yeah, humans not going to be able to do that that fast, right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty um, incredible. 
And I know that you guys are going to be at TIA as well. Are you doing any speaking at all there or anything to look out for that you're excited about? Well, thank you for asking. Um, yes, I am moderating a panel on the 20th at 11 o'clock on uh, dynamic pricing and why it matters and why it's important. Um, my panelists include uh, Chad Olson from AVRL. I have Jordan Reaver from ARL. And I have uh, Don Everhart from Freightvana on my panel and I'll be the moderator. That sounds fantastic. I'll have to, we'll have to go check out that panel. I'm a fan of Chad. His content's really uh interesting on LinkedIn. He's always got some interesting things to say. I feel like he's he's kind of a little bit polarizing at times, which I appreciate because some people don't have as much, I guess, uh, I don't know. They're just not saying what they need thinking, I guess. So no, I'm a fan. And the gentleman from Fate Vaughn is also very interesting. He's the CTO, right? It was, yeah. Don Everhart. Yep. Yep. Very cool. And then as far as the pricing goes, I guess that's my last question for you. Is it like a subscription-based model that you guys are doing or how, how does that pricing work? It is a subscription-based model, so it's a mo fixed monthly fee. Um, there is a small implementation fee upfront that mm -hmm. is, you know, generally more or less the equivalent to one month of your subscription. Very cool. Well, um, Don, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to looking at that panel with you at um, TIA, and hopefully we can catch up and say hi. And then, I for those people that I guess want to learn more about green screens and get a demo, should I, any place to send them? You can, well, always from our website, greenscreens.ai. Um, we do have a request to demo link on our website, um, or you can send an email to sales at greenscreens.ai. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Don over at Greenscreens AI. It was a very fascinating conversation, kind of some of the differences between robotic process automation, automations in general versus artificial intelligence and machine learning. With machine learning, you need massive data sets. And with machine learning and AI, it, the computer actually thinks for itself. Simulation, it simulates uh, the way we think as humans instead of just following a set of directions. So very fascinating conversation. AI is coming in super fast. If you do enjoy 3PL Live, please review us on Spotify or Apple. We always appreciate that. And if you are going to TIA in Orlando, definitely stop by our booth. We hope to see everyone there. And stay safe and have a great weekend.